You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Now, as we'll see, the New Testament Church of Philadelphia lived up to its name as the loving church because they faithfully proclaimed the love of God even though they were limping, even though their strength was little. They still carried the love of God. They did not quit. They, they moved forward. They didn't let weakness stop them. Lack of resources stopped them. Limitations stopped them. They moved forward. Give me a little bit of strength. I'm going to use it for Jesus. It doesn't matter if we have Jesus in our hearts. Being a loving person can be difficult. Whether we're having a bad day, don't have the energy, or simply dislike the person we're conversing with, oftentimes it's easy to ignore others instead of loving them. Today, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that the most important calling placed over your life is to share God's love with the whole world. Don't sell yourself short by making up excuses and let His divine power flow through you to make an impact for His kingdom. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Revelation chapter 3 as he begins his message, Philadelphia, the loving church. Now, we're looking at the sixth church in the seven that Jesus addressed in the book of Revelation early on, chapters 2 and 3. Before he gives us all the prophecy that follows, he first focuses on the church, his bride, his children, his people, you and me. And so far, let me give you a quick little recap. We've looked at Ephesus, the lacking church. Lacking because they'd lost their first love. Smyrna, the loyal church, they were loyal in spite of all kinds of trials and persecutions. Pergamus, the lax church, they had things going on in the congregation they should have been dealing with and they didn't. Thyatira, the loose church, because that woman Jezebel was in the church and immorality was running rampant. So we call it the loose church. And then Sardis, the lifeless church, they had a reputation for being alive and well, but actually Jesus says they're dead. Your reputation doesn't always line up with reality. You can have a reputation for one thing, but in God's eyes, it ain't true. Right? And you can fool a lot of people, but you can't fool him. So, lacking church, loyal church, lax church, loose church, lifeless church. And today, the Philadelphia church is the loving church. The loving church. Uh, now, when you look at what Jesus knew about these individual churches, again, I'm amazed at how well he knew everything about them. I, I've wondered, what if the Lord just came and stood right here? Ask me if that puts the fear of God in me. Oh, yeah. I hope he would say, you've been faithful. Stayed with my word and haven't denied my name. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. But he knew so much about all these churches. For instance, let me just show you something. He told the church in Ephesus he knew their works. He told the church in Smyrna he knew about their worries. He told the church in Pergamum that he knew their whereabouts. He told the church in Thyatira that he knew about that woman. He told the church in Sardis that he knew about their withering. They were dying on the vine. Almost everything in it was dead. And he tells the church in Philadelphia he knows about their weakness. They have a little strength. They, yet, though weak, 
And I want you, I want you to really catch this. Though they were weak, they were known as the loving church. They didn't let their weakness give them an excuse to drop out. They didn't let that little strength give them a reason to say, well, we can't this and we can't that because we just got a little bit of strength left. No, they took that little bit of strength and they carried it a mile. No matter how weak they felt, they kept on keeping on. They didn't put up the white flag, didn't quit, didn't look for excuses. Now I got to give you a little bit of history. The New Testament town of Philadelphia got its name from Adelus Philadelphus, the king of Pergamos. And he died about BC 138. So little under a century and a half before Jesus arrived on earth, this city, this little town of Philadelphia was birthed and named. It means brotherly love. We know that because we've got our own Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. It was built on high ground. It was 900 feet above sea level. Philadelphia was in the midst of a region that suffered earthquakes all the time. And it caused many of the surrounding towns to go into, well, everybody was leaving. Everybody was getting out of Dodge because there were so many earthquakes. But it didn't happen in Philadelphia because they were so high above sea level and the soil was rich for the growing of grapevines. So whereas a lot of the other towns were depleted of population, it wasn't true of Philadelphia. In fact, of all the seven churches in the book of Revelation, it had the longest life of any Christian city. They had the longest life, Philadelphia. And next to Smyrna, Philadelphia had the greatest number of Christians. So they had a lot of believers in Philadelphia, Philadelphia. It was just 28 miles southeast of the church of Sardis. So watch this. Remember, Jesus came to John. He said, write down what I show you. And I'm sending letters to the churches. That's why we call them love letters to the churches. I'm going to send, I want you to send the, what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to write, I want you to write it down and send messengers to carry these letters to the churches. Seven of them. So some messenger was picked. Can you imagine being that messenger and carrying this gold? And, and the messengers went out. And let's just say he goes to Sardis. He goes to Sardis and says, here's what Jesus gave John to give to you. You think you're alive, but you're actually dead. God bless you. See you later. And then he went 28 miles down the road, a day's journey, day and a half journey, and gave the next letter to Philadelphia. Gave them their letter. And that's the way it all went down. They all got these letters. They all got words from God. Individual words. Every one of them was different. Jesus knew them all. Every church was different. There was not two equal churches. They were all different. Philadelphia is one of the only two of the seven churches. There's two out of seven for which Jesus had no correction. He doesn't correct them. He gives them a great big attaboy. Amen. Now I got to give you a little more history because I like history. So I got to give it to you whether you like it or not. Here's the thing. The American city named after this church, our American city, was founded in 1682 by William Penn, an English Quaker. So that means they quaked with the power of God. That's where Quaker came from. William Penn, an English Quaker and champion of religious freedom, founded our own Philadelphia and named it from this church. 
As a little aside, how important is our Philadelphia? It played a historic role as a central meeting place for the nation's founding fathers whose plans and actions in Philadelphia uh, ultimately inspired the American Revolution and the nation's independence following the Revolutionary War. They, they met together in Philadelphia, Philadelphia that was named after this church. History lesson over, let's move on. Now, as we'll see, the New Testament Church of Philadelphia lived up to its name as the loving church because they faithfully proclaimed the love of God even though they were limping, even though their strength was little. They still carried the love of God. They did not quit. They, they moved forward. They didn't let weakness stop them. Lack of resources stopped them. Limitations stopped them. They moved forward. Give me a little bit of strength. I'm going to use it for Jesus. As long as I can, I will. Now, I want to explore what we can. Just a couple of things about this church that I want to pull out for us today. First of all, I want you to notice that our Jesus is a Lord who opens doors of opportunity. He's a door opener. Now, he's also a door closer, but he's a door opener. He's a way maker. He makes a way where there is no way. He opens a door where there is no door. Doors are sent by God, open doors in answer to prayer. He, he is a, 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 a God who gives his people opportunity. Paul said, as we have opportunity, let us redeem the time. Paul said, he opened for me an effectual mighty door of opportunity. When you hear about an open door, then you're talking about an opportunity, something that God wants you and I to step through, to walk through, to take advantage of. What good is a door if you don't go through it? He's, he's a door maker, a way maker. He opens doors. Jesus said, I know all things that you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Now we know that the open door that he made was a door of evangelism, a door, a, a door of opportunity to preach the gospel, a door of opportunity that had not always been there. We don't know what it was, but we do know that it was an opportunity. It was a door that, that, that confronted them, that, they, that, that Jesus made available to them. And he said, now I want you to walk through it. You got a little bit of strength, but you have not denied my name. You have not walked away from my word. You've stood tall for my truth. So I'm going to open for you a door. And I want you to walk through it. Doors are for walking through. In a little while, we're going to dismiss this service and you're going to go through those doors. What good does it do? Oh, I see a door. Oh yeah, that's a door. Yep, that is a real door. I for sure see that door. What a beautiful door. Look at that door. It is really a handsome door. But what good does that door do if you don't turn the knob and walk through? Because they are doors of opportunity. God provides doors of opportunity. Divine doors. Doors that would never, ever open if he had not provided it impossible doors, doors that make you look at them and say, somebody pinch me. I can't believe this is real. Look at the door that God has opened. No man could have done this. No manipulation could have done this. No ladder climbing could have done this. God opened this door. You ever had a door like that? 
a door that just makes you look at it and laugh and say, I can't believe. Look what the Lord has done. Look at the door that he has opened up. Look at this opportunity. And Jesus assured them, let me tell you something. When I open a door, no man can shut it. No devil in hell can shut it. Nothing can shut it. When I open a door, that door is open. And when I close a door, that door is closed. A lot of kinds of doors that God opens. Let me give you some examples. Uh, here's a big one. He opens a door for you to be saved. He opens a door for people to be saved. What a precious door that is. What a powerful door that is. Listen to me, everybody. He opens the door. He gives an opportunity. Somebody comes and shares Jesus with you. Or somebody invites you to an evangelistic campaign. Somebody invites you to come hear about the Lord. And all of a sudden, you're confronted with the door of salvation. There it is. God extends it. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man opens the door, he can give you the door, but you got to open the door. If any man opens the door, I will come into his life and fellowship with him and he with me. His life will be totally changed if he walks through that door. Whosoever will, let him come. He opens the door of salvation. And I'm going to expand on that in just a minute. Because of all the doors I'm going to talk about, that's probably the biggest one. Because there may not be 30 of them or 10 of them or five of them. There may be once when Christ brings before a sinner an open door and says, here's my, my son, here's the gospel. Turn the knob, walk through, give your heart to Jesus and your life is going to be changed. Open doors. When God sends a door and you go through it, you're never going to be the same. Your life is never going to be the same. When God gives you a door, it's a door that takes you into a, a, another level, another level of experience. It expands you. It widens you. It stretches you. It gives you an opportunity that you never had before. You're going to learn things you would have never learned. You are never the same. You are never the same when you go through a door that God has sent. He, he can send you a door for ministry. He brings an open door. When I was uh, still a teenager, just a few years back, and God touched me and, and came into my life, and I had a powerful experience with Jesus, powerful experience with his spirit, and I fell in love with Jesus. We love him because he first loved us. I fell in love with Jesus. How do you love somebody you can't see? by the power of the Holy Spirit, by being converted, by being saved, though having not seen him, yet you love him. And I fell in love with Jesus. And I was just worshiping Jesus. I learned how to play guitar so I could sit in my little efficiency apartment and sing God is so good to Jesus. I believe that I personally made heaven sick of kumbaya. Because I played, he is Lord, God is so good, and kumbaya, over and over again, tears streaming down my face, because he changed my life. I had no idea that the Bible study I was going to, the man who was leading it, came to me one night and said, I'm going to go to medical school, Jeff, and I really believe the Lord has tapped my heart to tap you to take this Bible study. And all of a sudden, there's a door. Here's a door. I didn't look for it. I didn't, I, I, I wasn't, as a matter of fact, it terrified me. Because I had stage fright. 
Yes, I did. I know I'm up here, but I had stage fright. My lower lip would shake. My eyes would twitch. I'd turn red in the face. I was terrified to speak to anybody more than four or five people. And look what he did to me now. Yeah. But watch this. It was, it was a door. And I knew it was a door. And what was God saying? I'm opening a door. I'm giving you a door of opportunity to walk through it. And I went home and I prayed. And the Lord said, do it. I walked through it. And having walked through that door, I never looked back. And I've been doing the same thing ever since. It changed my life. It was a life-changing door. When God opens a door, you're never going to be the same. When God gives you a door, take it. It can be an open door for employment. You pray and you pray and you pray. Say, oh God, I need a job, I need a job. And you go knocking, seeking, knocking, asking. You go looking and door after door is shut. Let me tell you what I've learned about shut doors. The day will come, you'll thank God for those shut doors. Because if God shuts a door, if God shuts a door, it wasn't for you. Now, I've argued with God about shut doors. Lord, I know that's my door. No, that's not your door. But, but Lord, it looks right. It's not, not your door. But it feels right. It's not your door. But it seems right. It's not your door. It's my ideal door. It's not your door. I'm shutting it. And you look back and you go, thank God. I didn't walk through that door. Have you ever been to a high school reunion? I'm so glad there's name tags. Because without a name tag, I don't know who they are. Everybody has changed. And here comes that one that you just knew was your door. And you take one look and you say, thank you, Jesus. Now, you ladies, same thing. You thought he was it, and God shut that door, and then there's a high school reunion a couple of decades down the road, and he comes up. You don't even know who he is, but for the name tag, you say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but when God opens the door, we need to learn to take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Make the most of every opportunity. Ephesians. He'll open a door for a godly friendship. He'll open a door for a relationship that is godly. He opens a door. He's a door opener. He's a way maker. He makes a way where there isn't one. He opens a door where there wasn't one. He makes the, the impossible possible. We need to learn to walk through those doors. He, he said to Philadelphia, I've opened a door for you. The Greek could actually read, a door having been opened already. The door is already open. And you know what we do? We miss open doors. Uh, I do. I've missed so many open doors. Uh, particularly, I'll tell you this, in soul winning, how easy it is to miss open doors. You know, you're, you're at that store, and you're in such a hurry to get out of there and get in your car and get home and beat the traffic, uh, you don't notice the hurt on the face of the cashier. And she or he, they were ready for the gospel. If we discern the door, if we had discerned the door, it could be an open door to minister to somebody, a brother or a sister that calls you and they are distressed. And, but you're watching that show, NCIS. Boy, I hit a nerve there. 
you're watching that show and you want to get back to it, I'll tell you where my mother is bad about this. My little mother just turned 99. Yeah, I know. And she's going all the time. But if I call her during a baseball game, it's over. Jeff who? I, can, I, I know I don't have her. Mother, it's me. And I hear you know, the crowd in the background and somebody hit the baseball. And, and I know I've half got her attention. What are you doing, Mom? You're watching baseball, aren't you? Well, yeah. Who is it? Well, you know, it's my favorite team, the Rangers. 99. She should be a sports commentator. She knows all the teams, all the names. She, she'll tell you who needs to be traded, who needs to be kept. And, and I'll say, Mom, you're tuned out. Oh, I know. I'm sorry, Jeffrey, but they're, they, they got to make this play. If they don't make this play, they're going to lose this game. And I say, okay, I'll let you go. I'll call you later. But see, she missed a door, but I do too. And so we, we say to this person that calls all distressed, yeah, yeah, yeah. We give them a couple of formulaic Christian statements. You know, God's got this. And we let them go to get back to our show. We miss a door. We miss a door. And again, I got to tell you, missing the door that Jesus sends for you to be saved, the opportunity to be saved. I know everybody in here more than likely is saved, at least most. But what an opportunity, what a sacred moment when God comes down and brings somebody right up to you to share Jesus. And it's your door. It's your door. I was sitting in juvenile home, 16 years old, never heard the gospel. God sent a Baptist preacher with three young people with guitars. My guard came to my cell and said, you want to come hear some people talk to you about Christianity? I didn't even know what it was. I said, you mean Christmas? No, Christianity. But I would have gone to watch a clown show to get out of the cell. So I went. And here's the door. He, he just quoted John 3, 16. Here's the door. And look what was beyond that door. Oh my. Look, look at the power of that door. <laughs> I'm going one way. I go through the door. I'm going another way. I'm going, I'm lost. Go through the door, I'm found. I'm blind, go through the door, I see. I'm dead, go through the door, I'm alive. Watch this. I'm hellbound, go through the door, I'm heavenbound. The power of a door. The power of a door. Jesus looked at Jerusalem one day and he wept. And he said this, how I wish today that you of all people, Jerusalem, would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late. You know that one day it'll be too late? Now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes because you did not know the time when God came to save you. You didn't see the door. Second, that I learned from Philadelphia and I'll wind up with this. We learned from Philadelphia, they didn't let weakness stop them. 
In your walk with Jesus, has He ever opened doors for you? Have you ever been presented with an opportunity to take a step of faith for His gospel? Today in his message, Pastor Jeff showed you the importance of making the most of opportunities to be all in for Jesus. The timing will never be perfect, and that's why you need to seize every chance to turn hearts towards God's grace. Don't let the moment slip away and share God's love with the whole world. Here's Diane with some more info about Hardwired. Are you interested in partnering with us here at Hardwired? We'd love for you to support us in this ministry. All you have to do is go to our website and find the Donate tab. It's that easy. When you give $20 or more in December, we'll send you a 2024 calendar as a thank you. That website to donate again is hardwired.org. Thanks so much for prayerfully considering this today. Before we go, Daniel has more to tell you about what's ahead on Hardwired. Are you struggling with the weight of the world on your shoulders? Does it ever feel difficult to get through your day as it is, let alone have the energy to show love to others? In the next installment of Hardwired with Pastor Jeff, he illustrates the beauty of being overcome with God's love. The more you focus on yourself and your own issues, the less content you'll be. Change the tune of your life for the better by stepping into a life of letting God's love consume you. That's all we have for today's edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you can download it from our website, hardwired.org. Be sure to tune in again as Pastor Jeff continues teaching through the book of Revelation next time on Hardwired.